You're listening to the Smoke Signals Podcast, hosted by Jake Dungan and other IBI contributors. We're talking tribe. Well, good day, good afternoon, and good evening. Wherever and whenever you happen to be tuning in, we are glad to have you aboard. I'm Jake Dungan, Senior Contributor for Indians Baseball Insider, welcoming you to this week's edition of the Smoke Signals Podcast. And and I don't know, Justin, are we going into DEFCON 1 or DEFCON 2 with the rotation right now? Well, Trevor Bauer took a uh, line drive off of his uh, leg tonight, so I thought that was going to be something else that was going to pop up. So if, that, if he ends up getting hurt because of that, then yeah, I think we are. Oh my goodness, it's just, I mean, I made a note of this uh, on the outline heading into tonight that uh, it's pretty much been the Murphy's Law season for the Indian starting rotation, and you mentioned this before we went on the air that, you know, it doesn't, while it doesn't excuse what shortcomings the Indians had this offseason and what their strategy was or lack of strategy, um, it's very hard to say that any moves they made that would have you know, whether it's adding an outfielder or adding some bullpen help or whatever, um, it's hard to say that that would have been able to soften the blow very any significant uh, amount of losing, not one, not two, but three of the Indians' uh, key starters, including your Cy Young winning ace, Corey Kluber, um, your... Uh, Perennial Cy Young contender in uh, Carlos Carrasco now, who is out indefinitely with some kind of uh, <clears throat> with some, with some kind of uh, blood condition, and then of course Mike Clevenger being out for as long as he has been, although he's rehabbing in Columbus tonight, and then of course Trevor Bauer hasn't been looking like himself lately. So you know it's down to what Shane Bieber and now Zach Plesac, who's been pitching well in his two starts in the majors. I mean everything that uh, has gone wrong. Anything that could go wrong with this rotation has pretty much uh, come to fruition so far this year. Yeah, I don't know what they, I mean, like you said, I don't know what they could have planned for regardless. <clears throat> if you would have said, if you would have told the Indians in you know, December that Kluber, Clevenger, and Carrasco were all going to get hurt and Bauer was going to pitch terribly, I don't know what they would have done. And then... Uh... <clears throat> Uh, Jeffrey Rodriguez now on the IL as well with a uh, shoulder strain. He's out at least two to three weeks. Uh, he won't even be throwing until then, and then we'll see wh- how long of a rehab process that's going to be. So we could be looking at potentially as long as a month with him being out. Um, <clears throat> Zach Plezak, who looked like you know he was only going to be up for a start or two, uh, he's now a long-term fixture in this rotation moving forward, it would seem. And it's a good thing because he's pitching well. Hopefully that continues. Uh, Adam Plutko, I'm sure, is going to be a factor again in the rotation. And then, so what, it's Bauer, uh, it's Bauer, Bieber, uh, Plezak, Plutko, and then a big question mark for the number five star. Do they just go with the, go with the bullpen day as they did uh, in last night's game on Wednesday, or do they call up like Asher Wojciechowski, or what What do the Indians do here uh, until Mike Clevenger comes back? 
Well, it looks like I, I, I imagine he's only going to have to do one more rehab start, and I think they have an off. They have two off days next week, so they don't need a fifth starter next week. So they might. I think they might be able to just go with four guys until he's back. But if not, um, I don't know. I mean, Cody. Yeah, he's, Cody Anderson's hurt again. Chiway Hu is on the IL. I mean. No sign of Tristan McKenzie yet. No, McKenzie, they're targeting late June, early July. So he's got a few more weeks where he's ready to go. I mean, it might be Mitch Talbot who they signed yesterday or or, uh, Michael Peoples. Or, yeah, I guess, I don't know, Asher Wojciechowski got lit up the other day. Actually, Peoples did yesterday. So I don't know. Maybe it'll end up being Mitch Talbot if they need a guy to fill in for a day. But. Hopefully they can go with the four-man rotation until Clevenger gets back, and maybe they should do a bullpen day. I mean, it worked. Li- it worked on Wednesday night. Not that it's ideal, but you know, what are you so, going to do? You know, I I I don't know. So uh, just to get into the breaking news side of it, uh, uh, Carrasco. It was announced before Wednesday's uh, game where he was supposed to start that he would be out indefinitely. Uh, due to this blood condition that had uh, left him feeling lethargic the last couple of weeks, I guess. And uh, there's not much information that's been disclosed. They're still in insight. They're still in the uh, information-gathering process themselves as far as this concern and asked fans just to wish him well and hopefully uh, that this isn't anything serious as they uh, evaluate the treatment options. But... Uh, I don't know, could this explain why Carrasco has not been pitching so well lately? Maybe he's just, he hasn't been able to give it all he's usually able to just because of whatever this condition is? I would guess so. I mean, there's been some comments saying that he just hasn't been as energetic, I guess, on the mound lately. I'm not sure how to really... Exactly, and yeah, you hope we wish him all the best. I mean, boy, between uh, what happened with Leonis Martin last year, and then of course all these injuries this year, and you know whether it's a- uh, athletic-related injuries or just general health conditions, uh, n- luck has not been on the Indian side uh, dating back to last year. And uh, you know we already oh. talked about this rotation how. I mean, you, you, we both kind of said it, uh, you know, we couldn't complain about all the moves or interaction that the Indians had this offseason, but there's nothing that they could have done uh, to prepare for this. Yes, they could, probably could have uh, helped the team elsewhere to um, make, make this easier to uh, withstand as far as having other areas of the team step up and be able to... <clears throat> be able to kind of pick up the slack a little bit, but when you're a team like the Indians that's been built on starting pitching for the last several years, it just, 
I don't care who else you have on the team, unless you have, unless you have an absolutely formidable lineup that is the best in baseball, which the Indians could have and have had in the past, but uh, it's always been about the starting pitching, and when it's not 100%, and it's nowhere near 100% right now, right now we're down to like 20, 30%, uh, and it, no matter what, no matter what, you're not going to be able to uh, withstand that very easily, and it's, uh, in, in this case, I don't think that anything the Indians could have done this offseason could have prepared for this. And it's just an unfortunate roll of the dice. And at this point, all you got to do is hope that all these guys can come back healthy. And that's my next question is, does the starting rotation, is there any hope of salvaging this semblance of the Tribes Vaughn starting staff in 2019? Because, you know, we could talk about them being able to uh, secure a playoff berth, whether it's in the division or in the wild card, but is this going to be, is this staff even going to be ready to go up against the, the Yankees or the Astros or the Red Sox in the playoffs? No. <clears throat> I mean, well, I guess it depends on what happens when, when everybody comes back. I mean, they're not that far in the wild card, but I don't even know if you can think about that right now because they have to just try to survive whatever, you know, injuries just keep hitting them. I mean, Clevenger might be back in, you know, a week or two. Bauer's got to pick it up. I mean, you might as well just consider him a problem too because he just hasn't been the same. I think, I think what, Kluber at best were saying August. Um, Rodriguez, who knows? I mean, now it looks like Adam Plutko is back in the rotation permanently, you know, for the time being, and that's—I <clears throat> don't think that's a great thing because I think Plutko has kind of shown who he is. He's just a a six starter who should only be up for spot starts, but they're going to need him right now. I don't know. I, I think it's going to be awfully hard for them to compete for any sort of playoff spot without the you know guys they've relied on for pitching. I mean, pitching was their whole plan this year to begin with. They didn't give themselves any breathing room offensively to to uh, survive any pitching issues or injuries. And, you know, it's been worst-case scenario. And then you move on to Jose Ramirez struggling. There's just, you know, there's really nothing they could have. I mean, they, they traded for, Jeff, you know, Jeffrey Rodriguez to be a pitching prospect. They didn't really, I don't think they were really counting on him this year to pitch. In, in a uh, big league role, and he's been important to them, and now he's hurt too. So, I I have a hard time thinking they're going to survive all of this um, until even Corey Kluber gets back, and that's the piece of the same same Corey Kluber. So, uh, yeah, they would Bauer if Bauer turns around and Clevenger comes back as good as he was before, maybe they can kind of hang on, but it seems pretty pretty unlikely yeah and it's i mean it's i know it's early june and everybody's still talking probably going to be talking at us saying like it's still early how could you be talking about the season being over or anything like that we pretty much kind of made the point about uh how this next upcoming week uh we're down to this next week now you know the, the stretch against the yankees the twins and what have you there that this was probably going to be uh, as close to a defining moment as we'll see at this point in the season, and it's going to be a matter of how whether they can survive this and make 
keep themselves afloat until, you know, maybe the trade deadline when they can possibly get themselves some reinforcements. I I don't know, but uh, the point is that, uh, <clears throat> you know, other, I know that they've won the series against the Twins, which is great, taking two out of three. Right now they're losing three nothing as we're recording this in the series finale, but, I mean, that's nice. They, they could have, certainly could have been a lot worse for wear at the end of this series. Uh, they're nine and a half games behind the Twins as we speak. Uh, could be ten and a half back if this score holds. Um, so they are well behind the Twins, still in second place. I mean, I, I don't know if the White Sox are going to catch them necessarily. But uh, with that uh, kind of gap, and then, you know, I know they're not far back in the wild card hunt, but they still have a, a few teams ahead of them as well they have to overtake. I, I don't know. They, does this upcoming week? Do you think this really still defines the Indian season? Uh, you know they've they lost again the series against the White Sox three out of four. They took two or three from the Twins so far. Uh, might have a chance of a sweep if they can rally here. Then they got the Yankees coming up, and is that? I think it was June twelfth we had talked about how that was going to be the end of this stretch where we would really see what the Indians were made of. Is that? Do you think that still applies here? I do, yeah, because I think this is going to go a long way to seeing if the, how they're going to respond. I mean, they somehow managed to win last night, you know, Wednesday, with a bullpen day and having to come back late. And the, the Twins' bullpen has been good this year after the seventh inning, and obviously the Indians' offense has not been good at all this year for the most part. So I still think I still think this week is going to go a long way to seeing – if they're going to try to stay in this race, at least within shouting distance, when the pitching comes back to see where they're at. And, you know, the hitting's got to finally come around. Some of these guys got to figure it out. And if the, if the hitters finally realize or if they finally make some adjustments or, you know, start to prove they should be in the big leagues, you know, they have a chance to stick around. You know, this is kind of their time. That, you know, how, how often have we said, not even, you know, this year where the – offense has been a problem, but in years past where the offense hasn't picked the uh, pitching staff up, you know, now it's, the pitching staff for years has been backing up the Indians' offense, even on years they've had mostly good offense. So we'll see if they can finally reverse that trend and, and lead this team. It doesn't look great, but if they're going to stay in the race, yeah, they have to win these games coming up this week because besides they're they're beating they're not beating up on bottom feeders, you know they're not beating up on the White Sox and even though they're close to the standings, you know they're not beating up on on the worst teams in the division right now. They're not beating anybody consistently. It's win two, lose two, win three, lose three, and they've just got to beat whoever's in front of them and not worry about much else. And that starts this week, yeah. So yeah, we'll. Uh... Certainly keep an eye on that. Uh, just to give an update on uh, Mike Clevenger, who was pitching in Columbus. Uh, he went two innings in his first rehab start. Uh, gave up four runs on three hits, including a home run. Walked two, struck out four. I mean, you know, take those numbers with a grain of salt when you're talking about a rehab start. I mean, Clevenger's been out for several weeks now. And uh, still trying to get back into the uh, groove of things. But, you know, the... Four strikeouts, definitely a good sign, and, you know, everything else is 
you know, it is what it is. But at least Clevenger, I don't know if he had a certain pitch count or likely had was, was at that point. I mean, looking at his uh, pitch count from tonight, he was at 58 and 36 for the two innings. Um, so uh, we'll we'll see if uh, how his next uh, rehab start goes and how much longer the Indians plan to uh, run his rehab before calling him back up. But uh, you know, he made it. Looks like he made it through his first rehab outing without any uh, issues. And uh, the stat line aside, uh, it's pretty much all you can ask for at this point. Yeah, just to shake off the rust. I mean, hey, at least he's rehabbing. I mean. Danny Salazar is still throwing batting practice down in Arizona, which is actually the farthest he's gotten in the last few years. And Corey Kluber is not picking up a baseball right now, and Jeffrey Rodriguez isn't going to pick up a baseball for a while. So at least, at least Clevenger is healthy in pitching, regardless of the results. And it's, it looks like I was seeing on Twitter from the um, Columbus broadcaster, Ryan Mitchell, saying he was throwing 96-97. That's what you expect to see from Clevenger if he's 100% healthy. So I think that's a good sign. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, hopefully it's uh, not not too long before he's back in the rotation because the Indians need him in probably the worst way right now than they ever have. I mean, you know, we talked about that 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 whole domino effect started with Clevenger's injury, and you know, we were ta- saying, all right, it's very unfortunate. It's definitely not a great sign. The Indians can't afford to really have anything else happen. And well, we all know how that turned out, but. uh you know, they're still technically afloat and not totally out of the not totally out of the uh, race yet. But now it's just a matter of, you know, if Clevenger comes back, can he one remain healthy and pick up this rotation, and two, can he pitch like he was uh, before he got hurt and really give this rotation a lift and something to rally around so that they can find some kind of uh, semblance of what this rotation uh, should be capable of. And, you know, with uh, if Clevenger pitches as well as he is capable of, if Bauer pitches as well as he's capable of, Shane Bieber's been pretty good for the most part this year. If Zach please, that can be serviceable. And then Adam Plutko can just not be terrible. I <laughs> I mean, I like Adam Plutko, but he is better in small doses. Uh, but outside of that, if they could figure something out uh, along those lines, maybe they could uh, uh, keep their head above water a little longer uh, than we had uh, said that uh, beyond that one-week uh, deadline we had set. But I don't know. It's It's really tough to say at this point. You're really counting on a lot and, you know, being potentially uh, ten more than ten games back at the end of this stretch in early mid June at this point, it's it's tough to make up, and hopefully they can stay close in the wild card race because I didn't really expect them to be anywhere close. But unfortunately, uh, some of the other teams haven't gotten off to as good of starts as we had expected. So uh, I don't know. It's just it's just going to be potentially a, a tough season to follow and it's definitely not been a fun season. I mean, we see, we've seen some good moments. Santana's hot start. Lindor's hitting the crap out of everything right now. Uh, we've seen some, some of the young kids come up like Oscar Mercado and Zach, please Zach. Um, so 
I guess my next question is, where do the Indians go from here if they fall too far out of the race uh, by the trade deadline? Do you think that they will pull the trigger on uh, selling off some of these some of these pieces that they have? I think at this point, no matter given where they're at right now at this exact moment on Thursday, June sixth, I think that no matter what, Trevor Bauer is definitely not going to finish the year as a Cleveland Indian. Um, that is, I don't think it matters. I, I think they want to pitch better for sure uh, to increase his trade value, but I, I'm pretty sure they're going to go ahead and deal with him. I think unless they were firmly going to run away with the division and have a shot in the playoffs, they would have. They were not going to keep him, and that's not going to be the case now. So I think they're going to try to cash in on his value, um, get something back for him. And I, I think what really – they're going to have to entertain trades for Brad Hand no matter what. Um, I know a lot of people said don't do that. You don't want to try to hurt yourself if you're going to compete next year because I still think they can compete in 2020. I still think this division is, is up for grabs next year. I don't think – unless the Twins really go out and get another pitcher that's going to be as good as Jose Barrios or a little bit better – I still think the Indians are, with their pitching, if they can make some um, offensive additions next year, I think they're still going to be a strong contender for the 2020 division title. So you don't want to you know, trade too many guys that can help you next year because next year, for sure, is the last full year you're going to have Francisco Lindor. So you want to try to maximize that. So I think you'll see Bauer and Han- Bauer for sure be traded in hand, maybe shopped. And the thing I, I think about hand is that if they're not going to be in the race this year, if they're only going to be competing for the wild card, what I think the best course of action at this point is a soft sell where you trade those two guys um, and you try to do it. And, and no, I, I doubt they're going to be able to rip off someone like Tampa Bay ripped off the Pirates last year for, you know, with Chris Archer and uh, Meadows and Glass now and Shane Baz. But you go out there, you trade Bauer and you trade maybe hand and you go get pieces that, can come in and play maybe at the second half of this year or for sure will be ready to contribute next year because, you know, Glass now and uh, Meadows played at the end of last season, and now they're big parts of where Tampa Bay is this year. So if you can go out and, and try to execute something like that, you might give yourself still a fighting chance in, in the wild card this year, and you set yourself up for a better situation next year to win. Right, and... uh I think that they do have some of the younger pieces coming up to maybe uh, make something like that work. You know, we talk about guys who are up right now like a Mercado or a uh, or, or a Zach Plezak. Uh, Daniel Johnson, I got to tell you, is not too far behind. He's killing it in Columbus right now. And then you got Bobby Bradley, of course, who I wanted to bring up here in a second. And of course, Tristan McKenzie as well, and some James Karinchak. There's some young players who are getting close to knocking on the door here, if they if they aren't already up in Cleveland. Um, so I don't think that if fans start talking about selling or hear that the team is talking about selling, I don't think that it's just necessarily them giving up because I think they the team still wants. To, still believes it can contend and still wants to contend. It's, you know, they just have to try to do it within these new payroll constraints. And, you know, if that means trading a Trevor Bauer or trading a Brad Hand, um, yeah, it, it's it's going to hurt, and it probably has a high chance of, of it not working out next year where, you know, the trying to fill the void of Bauer and Hand is going to be too much. But at the same time, if you – 
get guys in the, from within to step up, like a Karinchak or a, a Plezak or a, or a uh, McKenzie or somebody like that. Or you can go out and get like the Tampa Bay Rays did get somebody like a uh, a Glass now or a Meadows or so somebody some guys who are close to ready or maybe are undervalued or whatever the case may be. Maybe bring them in to try to see if they can help out next year. That 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 could work as well. So uh, I don't think that. If those are if that's the route the Indians take, I don't think it's them just throwing in a towel on and initiating a full scale rebuild. But uh, you know they're definitely going to be walking a fine line if that's the route they take and trying to figure out how to use these final years of uh, Francisco Lindor to their advantage. It's going to be a very uh, thin tightrope to walk and. You know they already tried to do it a little bit this off season and not probably not very well. But this trade deadline probably will be a good uh, indication of where what direction the Indians are truly heading in over the next couple of years, especially over these final years of Lindor's contract. Yeah, I don't I don't think you're going to see a full scale. You, you can't say full scale rebuild until they trade Lindor, and even then. I, well, I'm not. I'm not going to get into the farm system predict what they have down there because it's so hard to say. Because you know, a right now we have no idea if Jose Ramirez is ever going to come back to what he was. Like at this point, I, I want to say he's too good of a hitter to be this bad, but I, I I don't think at this point we can say for sure that we're going to see MVP candidate Jose Ramirez ever again. You just can't be sure of that. So that significantly changes things, but. I don't think you could even say the the, the actual full scale rebuild until they trade Francisco Lindor or they let him walk. I think that's the only that's the only way that that's a, that's an actual thing. I think everything up until that point is them gearing up for his for 2020 or 2021 if he's still here. If they don't if they decide to trade him in the off season, and I think next year goes a long way towards that. If, if they don't, you know, if next year doesn't go well. And we're in the same spot. If they're in the same spot right now, next this time next year, then you could probably start wondering if they're going to trade Lindor. Which would really be unfortunate to think about at this point, because you know we were still hope hoping for uh, the Indians to lock him up and get him to get him on that extension. But man, the fact that we're talking about even entertaining the idea of trading Lindor is just. I don't know. It's it's so it's so hard to uh, even think about at this point. But unfortunately, this is just the, the state of the Indians right now. I mean, you know, after 2016, we thought that you know they it would it's really hurt that they didn't win the World Series. But we were thinking, okay, they they still have a lot of these guys intact for a while. Lindor's not going anywhere for a while. Uh, Miller, Allen still have a couple more years of control. We were thinking like this is going to be. Uh, another couple of years of World Series contention and maybe they could get a ring out of it, but man, it, it just does not look like they're going to get back to that point, at least with this team as currently constructed. There's going to need to be a lot of changes, uh, either from guys leaving, guys being traded, or what have you, and then some of the newer guys coming in before we get back to that point because, I don't know, I, I would it's not a full scale rebuild, but it's definitely uh, it's it's definitely some uh, serious turnover that's probably going to happen uh, over the next year or two. 
Yeah, I mean, they, there's no doubt they definitely messed up, you know, part of this contention cycle with Lindor by this offseason. They, A, weren't given the budget to do things they need probably needed to do, and B, the small moves they have done, I guess, well, I don't know. The Jan Gomes trade, I think, has worked out fine. Jan Gomes isn't doing that great in Washington. Perez has been fine. And uh, without Daniel Johnson, or without Yuffie Rodriguez, Daniel Johnson, too, without Yuffie Rodriguez, I don't know what the staff is. But, you know, there are lottery tickets on, on Hanley Ramirez and Carlos Gonzalez didn't work out. And uh, the only the only really moves they've made that have worked out is all these bullpen guys, you know, Nick Whitgren and, and um, A.J. Cole and, Tyler Clifford have all been pretty good. You know, that's, that's really about it. So the fact that they weren't able to do much offensively with the limited budget they had, I mean, the only guy they signed free agent-wise was Oliver Perez, and, you know, they gave Danny Salazar $4.5 million and instead of using that on a hitter. You know, I think I think, I think at the time they, they signed Salazar, they thought they were going to trade one of Bauer or Kluber, and that's why they – did that because they thought they'd have Salazar there as kind of a way to make up for that loss, but obviously all that worked out poorly, so, but it doesn't matter, I mean, yeah, they definitely messed up the rest of this little bit. You know, I understand in theory why they signed Salazar because of that insurance, but even then, you, it, it, the way the budget constraints were, I mean, yeah, they probably really did have it in mind that they were going to trade one of of uh, Kluber or Bauer in the off season, but at the same time, Salazar hasn't one pitch on a mound uh, in over two years, at least not in in a significant uh, manner. And then two, um, even when he has been on the mound, the limited times he has, uh, he hasn't looked good, and and not even close to his All Star self from several years ago. Um, that is. If there's one puzzling off-season move I could point to that was like, I really don't understand what they were doing with that. It might have been uh, the deal they gave to Salazar. Yeah, I, I get it. I just, you know, obviously this is all in retrospect, but I just think that if they knew the directive was to go into the off-season and they weren't going to be able to spend much money, if any at all, I think you would have said, you know, let's. Let's not give him this four and a half million, and let's see what happens before we commit to that. But I know they had to tender him a contract, no matter what. I guess they could have. I don't know. I'm not sure what they could have done really. But if, the, like I said, if the directive was that they had to cut back on money, I think they probably should have taken a better risk analysis, given that it would have been harder to find hitting. Yeah, exactly. And. I don't know. Did you just see that play by Lindor? I'm sorry, I was mesmerized by that for a second. I uh, did. That was something. Anyway, I'm sure people listening to this probably have already seen it on uh, Sports Center by this point. <laughs> that was pretty, pretty impressive. But uh, I wanted to talk a little bit, of, just to change gears a little bit and get away from this doom and gloom because we always try to on this show. We don't mean to get this uh, hard and heavy with. Uh, all this talk, but unfortunately the Indians aren't giving us much to work with beyond that. Uh, I wanted to evaluate a couple guys who are having some serious power surges this year. Um, and 
I'm talking about uh, Roberto Perez and Jordan Luplo, who, outside of uh, you know Carlos Santana and Francisco Lindor, who are in double-digit home runs so far this year, it's really been these two who have provided a, the bulk of the power production for the Indians this year. Uh, Perez, right now, uh, heading into uh, tonight's game on Thursday, had nine homers, 20 RBIs, a 771 OPS, a 223 ISO, and 102 weighted runs created plus. While Luplo has had eight homers, 17 RBIs, an 859 OPS, a 296 ISO, and a 118 weighted runs created plus. You know, Perez, both these guys, uh, you know, don't hit for high averages, and more so in Luplo's case, he doesn't do much of anything else at the plate other than when, outside of when he's hitting home runs, but, uh, Man, these two right now are showing some serious power, and um, especially for Perez to be able to step up and knowing when he had to step up in the absence of uh, Jan Gomes, he has done that and then some, and still provided great value defensively as well. So, uh, you know, the, as far as gambles go, as you already mentioned it uh, by trading Jan Gomes and bringing in the guys they did, and giving the everyday uh, playing time to Perez. That's pretty much worked out. Uh, as well as the Indians could have hoped this year, and uh, hopefully it will continue to because uh, Perez is as good as uh, Jan Gomes is defensively, if not better in some respects. I know he's got a probably a little bit of a better throwing arm. I, I don't know, and a little bit better of a caught stealing percentage uh, at times. But uh, I that's that's something that. If there's anything that's worked out well for the Indians this year, it's been that. And then Jordan Luplo has also uh, been a nice, pleasant surprise as well, especially of late uh, since that two-home run game, that first two-home run game he had against the White Sox. He's been hitting the ball out of the park uh, left and right uh, of late. Yeah, I mean, I think what he's, he's really doing what he's not far off what he did in the minors, the way he's hitting right now. I mean, he had decent minor league numbers. I mean, he was the, the Pirates. Uh, 2017 minor league player of the year. I know that doesn't, you know, that's not guaranteeing anything, but you know he hit uh, 23, 26 home runs that year between Double A, Triple A, and the major leagues. Um, that's that's legitimate. That's you know pretty good power for a guy who's 23 years old and you know just really starting to come into his own and get to the upper levels. You know the strikeout rate's still up a little bit, but you know he's he's really kind of in line with everything else he did in the minors. Everything looks, you know, about there and, and projects to what you they thought he was going to do this year. So I guess I'm, I would say that's somewhat sustainable, even if the strikeouts are a bit of an issue and he kind I mean, I, I'm not going to say he was a platoon player because the numbers in the minors were not, they weren't major splits, but, you know, you give the guy more at bats and give him a chance to play. You see what he can do that might be, What's happening here? You know, we've seen in the past how guys have been blocked, and they went on to do this elsewhere. So, you know, maybe there's a chance he can improve even more with, you know, with more playing time. And uh, yeah, I think you said it all about Perez too. I think we all knew the walk rate was going to be there for Perez. He's got a uh, 12% walk rate, and that's what you expect from Roberto Perez. The extra power—I went the extra power, but the power that he's shown, you know, he's at nine home runs. That's the career high for him already, but obviously he's going to play in more games this year than he ever has. 
Um, but he showed power in the past, too. What year was it? It was uh, 2015 when he got a good amount of playing time. Played seven games. Hit seven home runs that year and had a 174 ISO, which is uh, where the, it's the second. That's a career high until this year. Um, so obviously playing more, that's going to change things. So that that trade seems to be working out, and, and I'm not that surprised that he's hitting like this with more playing time. Are you? I mean, last year he was pretty lost at the plate sometimes, and um, I knew that he had the kind of hitting talent in him. Maybe not to be an all-star hitting uh, catcher, but I knew he would be serviceable enough to at least, uh, you know, justify playing him every day with his defense. And right now he's doing that and then some. I mean, the 223 ISO is a career high. He's got over a plus 100 weighted runs created plus. That's You'll take that any day from a catcher as good as he is behind the plate. And then I think that uh, it would be nice to see him see if he can do this uh, – on a continual basis uh, going forward and really see if that uh, trade turns out to be the right move for the Indians because, uh, as you said, you know, Gomes isn't doing the best in in Washington right now. And, you know, if given a choice, if we would still rather have Gomes, we probably would. But I think that... I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's true. I I think if you look at the numbers, I think Perez has got better numbers than... Than Gomes, I think I think the Indians have the better of the deal right now. If you look at the numbers, I think let me take take a look real quick. I mean, he's also not playing every day. Uh, they have um, Kurt Suzuki getting playing time too. He's got a a sixty four uh, way to run creative plus mark, way, way more strikeouts than an O ninety three um, ISO. So the Indians are <laughs> the Indians are winning the trade. Well, there you go. Something. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> That's uh, very interesting stuff there. And uh, yeah, they, I I'm really glad to see Perez doing well because yeah, something's something's going well for the Indians. At least there's that. And then Luplo as well. I've always been a fan of Luplo ever since he was acquired. You know, some people weren't as quick to jump on the bandwagon with him. Um, but I always thought he had something because I remember watching him play uh, for Altoona against Akron when he was in Double A, and I saw a little—I I saw what he was capable of, and I think that what basically you said—he's showing what basically the same level of hitting that he's shown in the minors year in and year out. So, you know, the, I, I knew he had power. I knew he had the ability to be a, a run producer. Uh, potentially, if given the chance, and right now he's doing that, and not hurting a tribe in the outfield either. So that's uh, definitely good to see on both on both accounts, and uh, I'm glad to see him getting more playing time because of it, because I think he's earned it. And uh, with the uh, outfield looking as shaky as it was at the start of the season, I think Luplo. If there's anything that's really kind of stabilized that outfield, I think one guy you can point to is probably Jordan Luplo. Yeah, I mean you're not you're not totally wrong, and and think of this too. I, I think a perception has a lot to do with it. Now, obviously, a lot of Indians fans wanted Adam Jones or uh, you know any any major league outfielder, any any outfielder that had major league experience, or you wanted Michael Brantley back. Obviously, that's 
I think everybody would prefer Michael Brantley um, to come back. But fans wanted, you know, someone with major league experience to be signed in the outfield. But I think had Jordan Luplo been an Indians prospect, if he'd done what he's been doing in the minors for the Indians the last few years, I think a lot of fans would probably say, hey, we should give him a chance because you see how many fans, and, and you know, we're included in this at times too, you know, with Yanni Diaz, Jesus Aguilar, things like that. How many fans have been frustrated that the Indians haven't given chances to those guys and they've gone on to play well elsewhere? I don't think Diaz has been quite as good since his hot start. Um, or, you know, even Giovanni Urshela, people have gotten mad at this year, you know, even though the Indians played him a ton. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's perception that had Luplo been doing this in the minors for the Indians the last few years, if fans wouldn't have been, you know, saying, you know, oh, we got to give him a shot. You know, we can't we can't go out and inquire major league outfielders because um, we have to get we have to play the kid we have to play this guy and see what he can do and not risk losing him like we lost Aguilar or Diaz or or Shella, I guess. If you speak of perception, I think that might have something to do with it as well. Because I think that with Luplo and Moroff, I think that the perception was that uh, the Pirates had basically just given up on him and given him away for a utility infielder in Eric Gonzalez. And, you know, no disrespect to Eric Gonzalez, but uh, I think that uh, that might have been the perception and that he was just like, you know, somebody who... the a prospect that the Pirates no longer valued. And that might have been the perception about it. And, yeah, you're right. If he was a, an Indians a player and came up through the Indian system and then come up, I think that the uh, feeling about Luplo would be much different and a lot more positive, uh, given what he's done right right now. And, uh, I mean, I think it should be positive regardless because he's playing pretty well right now. But, um. I do think that the perception does play into it as far as, you know, how the Indians acquired him and who they acquired him for and the circumstances regarding that because, you know, Flo was kind of blocked and Pittsburgh hadn't really shown a lot in the ma- his limited playing time in the majors up to that point. So I think it and comes down... And people were mad that Mercado didn't make the team out of spring training to begin with. Right, yeah. And uh, I think that has something to do with... Uh, you know, Mercado being hyped up a little bit more and, you know, him having a good spring as well. Uh, it's it's weird how when prospects have really good spring training performances, how easily fans can just latch on to them and, and say, like, hey, this guy should be up here. And not that they're wrong necessarily, especially for a guy like Mercado who probably – could have had a chance to be up in Cleveland and be playing pretty well from the start of the year. He already had a lot of time logged in AAA at, by that point, but uh, I think that uh, it's just all about perception, as you said, just to kind of bring it full circle here, and I think that their perception for somebody like Mercado, who was younger, had been not seen time in the majors yet, and already been more familiar to Indians fans that haven't been around a, a little bit longer in the system versus, you know, Luplo, who is an off-season addition, who didn't bring as much hype along with him. That was that. That's pretty much what I think it boils down to. Yeah, I I totally agree with you right there. I I think that it, it really is about perception. 
So, um, speaking of prospects, um, the last thing before we uh, wrap up is um, if the Indians, well, I don't know, maybe this could be either or, whether or not the Indians decide to punt on the season and go for next year and sell some of these pieces off, or maybe if they still believe they can contend this year. Um, do you think that the way, because of how Bobby Bradley is playing in Columbus right now, there's been a growing, a growing uh, sentiment among Indians fans saying that the tribe should give him a chance at this point, especially now that you know guys like uh, guys like Cargo and Hanley Ramirez are no longer with the team, and you know they they don't have anybody tied down to the DH spot. Right now, uh, maybe they that they should give uh, Bobby Bradley a look in Cleveland and see if he can help out this offense at all. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, as Perez just hit his uh, his uh, tenth home run. Of the home year. run! Wow, yeah, and he's going the other way. That's a good sign. When he's hitting the ball to right center, you know he's doing good. So, uh, just to come back to that Bobby Bradley I mean he's got 17 home runs so far in Columbus really seeing the ball well and as I mentioned in the Farm Report podcast uh, the other night uh, he's really hitting the ball and spraying it to all fields as well strikeouts are still up but he's doing everything else pretty well right now so uh, what are your thoughts on possibly getting Bobby Bradley up here to see if he can help out this offense I, I mean I think my first question is where does he play because you're still trying to sort out the outfield right like Jake Bowers has been playing a lot of left field. He's playing some first base while Santana DHs. Santana doesn't like to DH, so he's going to play first. So I suppose Bradley can DH while Bauer, or Bowers plays left and Santana plays first. But then you give yourself another left-handed hitter and you're left-handed heavy, but maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe you just need to play these guys and see what happens no matter what side of the plate they should or shouldn't be you know, playing against. Although, to be fair, Robbie Bradley um, has a, a uh, OPS over 1,000 this year against left-handers, which is very new for him in 71 at-bats. So that's, yeah, he's got, wow, he's got, I didn't know this, he has 17 home runs down there, and eight of them eight of them have been against left-handers. So he's really even this year. So, wow, I don't know if he's figured out left-handers for sure, but the numbers are good. My only other concern is this with Bradley right now, and you you can attest to this because I think you've been to some games down there. Um, Huntington Park is a hitter's park. It is definitely a left-handed hitter's uh, power-friendly park. So 10 of his 17 home runs have been at home. That's not a huge split, but he is significantly better at home than he is on the road, and I I don't know how much the ballpark's playing into it. I've only been able to see a few games on MILB TV. I haven't been down to Ac- or Columbus yet this year. I'm hoping to be down there sometime next month, but might be up by then. I don't know. I guess it really just depends on how much they want to play into next year and give these young kids a try because ideally Bradley shouldn't pit play against left-handers, at least not early on, and that kind of puts them in a bind because that, that means they're stuck with Bowers or someone's got to play against left-handers that shouldn't. Um and then Bowers is basically just a left, left fielder, no matter what now. So it's really about fit and direction, but I think if they continue to fall, if after, you know, they don't win this game against the Minnesota Twins and things go bad against the Yankees, um, 
probably bring him up. Yeah, I mean, do what he can do at that point. But I'm still a tad. I, I've always been kind of skeptical of Bradley just because of the holes in the swing and the fact that he's really only been a platoon hitter and it's really a DH only. I've always been kind of skeptical of the whole profile. But I guess now is as good a time as any. Yeah, and I, I, I meant, and then again, I mentioned this in the podcast on Farm Report, and I mentioned this in uh, the Four Thoughts column as well. But you know, the strikeouts are up, and ideally, you'd like to see him cut down on that a little bit. But you know, of course, that might just be who he is at this point. If he can, you know, if if the strikeouts are there, but he can figure out a way to uh, make more consistent quality contact, which he has this year. He's hitting for a good average. He's, as I said, he's spraying the ball to all fields. I mean, his, all three quadrants of the field, uh, whether it's pull, uh, up the middle, or the opposite field, they're all, like, about 30 to 35% each. So, he's right, pretty much dead even on all accounts there, making more consistent quality contact. He's not hitting the ball in the air as much, which in turn is making the times when he does hit the ball in the air more uh, effective because his home run fly ball rate has gone through the roof right now. Um, hit more line drives, uh, figuring out how to keep, how to make more quality contact and, and make the most of hits that besides hitting the ball in the air. It's kind of right now it looks a little bit like the anti-launch angle type of hitter because of how... You know, the, the fly ball rate has gone down while, you know, he's spraying the ball more to all fields. So, uh, whatever is working for him right now is is working very well. So, you know, he's already got a lot of time logged in AAA. Um, not they had a full season yet, but, uh, and, you know, he still has the chance where, as we've seen in the past, where he could fall into a slump and the strikeouts could really catch up to him. But at this point in time, I, I don't see anything that says that Bobby Bradley should be, shouldn't be up in Cleveland um, at some point in the near future, other than the, what you said, is he going to be a fit on this roster with uh, Santana and Bowers? But uh, I think that getting uh, Cargo and Hanley out of the mix definitely helps. Yeah, I mean, there's some spots open for him, I guess. It's just rotating guys through, and they've got to figure out who, like, I don't know, who who goes down? Like who like right now, who do you send down for Robbie Bradley if you're gonna call up tomorrow? Who who goes out? Because you're only playing with four outfielders as it is. You have Luplo, Mercado, Naquin, and who am I missing? Uh, Bowers, I guess. Bowers and Martin. Oh Martin. So I guess yeah, I guess there's five outfielders if you count count Bowers. I mean, I think the obvious answer is DFA Martin. I think, you know, it's a nice story, and you want to hang on to him for the fact that he's able to come back and play again, but he's not, I mean, he shouldn't be playing every day at this point, and you might as well just go ahead and give Mercado the at-bats every day and have Naquin and Ruflo and Bowers out there and call Greg Allen back up if need be, I guess. You know, I don't think he should have been set down either, because he was hitting the ball well, but they needed an extra arm with Carrasco situation. But yeah, you got to find that bats for him, and they're going to be all left-handed. But like I said before, and maybe at some point it doesn't matter if they're left or right-handed. You just got to get him in the lineup and see what he can do. So yeah, I guess the only real answer is DFA Martin. There's really nobody else. I mean, 
Are you going to send Jake Bowers back down? I know he's not played great, but it kind of defeats the purpose of his growth, right? You, you know he can hit AAA pitching. Right, yeah, and that's... I think if the two guys, if I had to point out point out to you, yeah, Martin's up there, and I think Naquin's up there, too. I know that, uh, you know, having him up there as a platoon option with a Luplo kind of works on paper, and but uh, Naquin has overall just doesn't look anywhere close to being able to figure it out at the major league level, and, you know, I'd probably go with Martin first because, you know, he's pretty much clogging up a spot and taking at-bats away from a guy like Mercado. Uh, and, I, again, I say that with all due respect. I feel bad really talking bad about the guy uh, given what he had to go through. But uh, I think that he's probably the most expendable option and then Naquin isn't too far behind. Yeah, you don't got to sell me on Naquin. I'm, I'm ready to move on from the Tyler Naquin experience. I have been ready to move on for two years. So um, if he's the guy to go, I mean, he's got an option, so – like you gotta, not like he's got to cut him. You can just send him down. I know he doesn't. There's not. It's not going to help him much playing on Triple A pitching. But I think there's other guys that you, if they if they go in this direction, you know, I think it's it's more worth it for them to see what Bobby Bradley can do at this point than trying to see what's left of Tyler Naquin and even yeah, if he can just stay healthy for 40 games at a time, you know. Yeah. Exactly. So. uh yeah, we'll definitely uh, be keeping our eye on Bobby Bradley in Columbus and see if the Indians uh, are watching him as well, which I'm sure they are. They will uh, evaluate the situation and see if he's worth calling up because, you know, we've seen that they're willing to call up some of these kids now, Sometimes, some of them out of necessity, but, you know, whether it's Eric Stamets early on or... Oscar Mercado now, or Zach Plezak. Uh, they're they're getting some of these youngsters up there, and uh, hopefully Bobby Bradley could be the next in line for that and uh, see what he's got. Because if you're, I think at this point, no matter what the outcome of this next week is, the Indians got to have to be simultaneously playing for this year and for the future. So you know, why not bring up Bobby Bradley at this point? If you can help this year, then that's great. But Really, the ultimate goal is to see uh, what he what what he brings to the team uh, for the next several years moving forward. So um, it accomplishes both those goals to uh, bring him up and see what he's got right now. Because right now he's there's not much le- not much uh, left for him to do in Columbus that he's already doing right now. Other than maybe him cutting down the strikeouts, but uh, it's it's. He's hitting the ball about as well as he probably ever will in the minors. Yeah, I mean, there's really not much left. I guess, like I said, there's not left for him to prove. It's just about a spot. and I do think we'll see him at some point this year, but um, I, I would say it's got to be before the All-Star break. they got to do this. Yeah, and, boy, it's... It's so unfortunate because, you know, it was announced that the Indians were going to get the All-Star game this year. You know, we were all thinking, like, the Indians are going to be in a pennant race, and they're going to get the All-Star game, and then Cleveland's going to be rocking. I mean, Cleveland's going to still be rocking anyway during that week, but uh, we were hoping that the Indians would be in better circumstances uh, by the time the All-Star break rolled around. Um, Just hasn't been the case. 
Yeah, I mean, you really hoped that Jose Ramirez was going to be in the in the All Star or the uh, well, starting the All Star game for the third straight year and participate in the Home Run Derby. You were hoping one of our pit, one of the pitchers was going to be the starting pitcher in the game this year. And you know, you're talking about maybe, geez, if, if things had gone well, they could have had what four at least four. You could have made a case for all five of their starters to make the All Star game. The way things were going in the first half last year, I mean, Bauer was made the all-star team. If Clevenger would have kept this up, he could have been in it. Um, you know, there's, I, I think you could have made a case for all of them. And then, you know, there's Brad Hand. And then now you're looking at Carlos Santana and Lindor and maybe Brad Hand. That's really it. That's that's kind of a bummer. Just to, I know having three is not bad, you know, but when the Indians have been good, they've had up to five. And, you know, they had plenty last year. Uh and two years ago, even. You think but, Shane? Do you think Shane Bieber has an outside shot? Uh, I don't know. I think he's got to put together a few more good starts in a row. He's just had lately. He's just had a good good start and then kind of a rough start, a good start and a rough start. I think if he puts two or three in a row together that are really really good, like some of his best stuff, he might have an outside shot to be like a replacement for a guy who pitches on Sunday before. But I don't think he'll be named the initial team, no. Okay, and uh, I would think with the game being in Cleveland, he might get a little extra consideration um, than he would otherwise. But uh, I would think at least between those four guys we mentioned, that would be the uh, most likely all-star representatives for Cleveland. But uh, moving forward to uh, next season, we're looking at, uh, again, that series coming up against the Yankees. It's going to be a key uh, series coming up here, and by the time we uh, get back on the air here on this podcast, uh, we're going to be talking about whether being not... over. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not, but uh, <laughs> it's possibly. It's... We're going to be talking about whether or not this team is really destined to be the, in the playoffs, or whether or not we might be talking about. Uh, you know, this is. My, this might be a transitional year. We'll call it that. We, I don't want to use the the R word, but uh, this could be that. But uh, look, good. yeah. Good. So uh, looking ahead to uh, next week, we've got uh, the Yankees on Friday uh, coming to town. I mean, you got Zach Plezak against uh, against uh, Justin Herm. Or Domingo Herman, I'm sorry. I was thinking of somebody else. <laughs> and uh, then you got Plutko on Saturday. And then you, going up against a uh, pitcher to be determined for the Yankees. And then uh, Tanaka versus Bieber on Sunday. That'll be a nice matchup. And after an off day on Monday, then you got the Ohio Cup. Uh, Indians and Reds in Cleveland, Cincinnati. You got Luis Castillo going up against who knows for Cleveland at this point. And feels like that's something that's going to be a common theme now moving forward. As the next uh, several games, as far as the starting pitching goes, and then uh, Wednesday, that's to be determined. Both starters. Uh, Indians and Reds, and then another off day on Thursday before they welcome the Tigers to town on next Friday. So, uh, yeah, uh, we'll see how this uh, Yankee series pans out, and then, of course, the Ohio Cup series. 
uh, at least the start of it. And what do you, what do you think uh, we'll be looking at at this time next week, Justin? You know, this is something I wanted to bring up earlier. We won't spend too much time on it, but you know, last week when we were talking was last week. What week we did the podcast after they beat the uh, Red Sox two in a row and, and hit the ball really well. That last week podcast. I think it may have been because that was we were trying to, you know, bring some positive energy into the uh, into the Indians, trying yeah. to avoid all the negative uh, the negative topics for a week. And then they had a fugly game Friday against the White Sox. Or it was a Saturday, the White Sox, where they made where they made four errors, and Francona said they just weren't ready to play, and that's on me. I think that was Friday or Saturday. I can't remember. Yeah, the um, Saturday was the game they won, so it had to be Friday. Yeah, Friday. Friday. Uh, six to one, they made four errors. So I would say this. I would say we probably look and into the Boston series too much, but then you also can't judge them at their worst. I think, I think with especially with the Indians, but all baseball teams, we should and we should know this as well as anybody. You cannot judge a team after their best after, when they're playing their best. You can't judge them when they're playing the worst. And unfortunately for the Indians, they were playing really well after the, during that Boston series when they came back to win that game and then won the next day. And you can't judge them after that four-error game when they looked sloppy and weren't ready to play. And the same is going to go for the Minnesota series. You know, But I think, I think that's where the problem is with the Indians. I think it's because of the roster – Right now, where you have so many young guys, and then maybe a couple guys that shouldn't be playing, like Martin or Kipnis, you're you're stuck in between because you have that going on, where you have some veterans that shouldn't be playing, and you have some young guys that are still trying to find their footing. You get you get streaks like that where you look really good against Boston, you look terrible against the White Sox, and you look good against the Minnesota Twins, who are the best team in baseball right now, and who knows what they'll do against the Yankees or the Reds, but. My guess is next week when you and I talk, it'll kind of be the same position. I think they're going to probably, you know, they might lose Thursday night here to the Twins. They're down 4-1 to in the sixth inning. They might lose this game. They might lose a couple of the Yankees. They might win a game against the Yankees and look really good. They might take, you know, they might lose two or three from the Yankees, and they might take two or three or whatever from the Reds by the time we talk next. I think it's going to be the same. I think it's just going to be a couple wins in a row and then a couple losses in a row. I think that's where it's going to be. I don't think they're going to gain any ground. I don't think they're going to lose any ground. It's, I don't know. It's just, I mean, you're, you're definitely not wrong. I mean, it seems like that's been the mantra of the entire season so far. It's win a couple, lose a couple, um, you know, might go on a bad stretch where you start to fall out of it more, but then you gain a couple back and then, uh, you stay, keep your head just enough above water to where you, it, you can't, declare them dead uh, as far as the playoff races go, but, you know, they're definitely not in a good position. And, you know, it's getting to the point now where, you know, this is the the, the classic June swoon, and they're not in a June swoon, I'm not saying that, but uh, this is the time of year where we start to see who is for real and who isn't, and, you know, the Indians are treading water right now, but it's... From this point on, it's going to get to a point where, you know, treading water just isn't going to be enough anymore, and you have to make your move at some point in the standings. And, you know, not that it's not impossible to come back from a larger deficit 
in the second half after the All-Star break. I mean, we've seen it before on multiple occasions, but you're definitely making it harder on yourself to do so, and that's why the Indians need to ideally make their move sooner rather than later in order for them to still be considered serious playoff contenders. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, that's that's what's gonna lead him to be that's what's gonna lead him to soft sell, I think. Right, so uh we'll be uh following the team as always the next week and seeing how they uh perform and against the Yankees and the Reds, hopefully they're not out of it because we would like to keep this team alive for, for a little bit longer. Um, and maybe we'll be talking about Mike Clevenger's return and hopefully we'll get a good uh, prognosis on Carlos Carrasco's condition. Uh, trying to think positive yeah, here to end this podcast. Down. Yeah. So uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, end this here. But uh, do you have anything you wanted to plug, Justin, before we go? Uh, check out the site. So as we've been podcasting, I've been posting Jeff Ellis's uh, draft recaps. So he's got, I think on the site, as of right now, we have um, Indians' first 20 picks, all written out by Jeff Ellis. We'll have more tomorrow and Saturday. Definitely check those out. And then uh, this weekend, I keep saying it, I know it's been a, it's been a rough few weeks. For me, my schedule, I haven't not gotten to the Diamonds in the Rough, but I do have the Ruben Cardenas one written. I just have to finish getting it on the site and, and post it, and then I will have uh, three up, three down coming on Monday. After a little bit of a hiatus because of the draft, I'll have that back on Monday. Awesome. Well, I will have the uh, four thoughts column. I'll have some thoughts on the draft, particularly uh, Daniel Espino. Uh, what he's all about based on what I've read about him and give my take on it. Uh, my big plug, though, is going to be for this week's Farm Report podcast, which posted uh, on Wednesday. and Or actually, no, actually today as we record this. We recorded on Wednesday and it posted today on Thursday. Uh, so be sure to check that out because uh, Corey and I had some great in-depth draft discussion with the aforementioned Jeff Ellis. And he provided some great insight into the... Uh, Indians draft class this year and some of the individual selections and yeah check out those uh capsules that Justin's posting for all the all of the insight I mean I, as I said before I don't know how Jeff keeps it all straight and how he's able to retain all that knowledge about all these players but he certainly does it and he does it well so uh give that podcast a listen it's a little bit of a longer show but I promise you it's well worth it uh just to hear the uh, inside scoop on all these uh, new Indians players. And uh, also we get into some other topics such as uh, Bobby Bradley's hot hitting him winning player of the month in an international league. And, and the Max Kepler just go deep again. Oh my goodness. No. Oh, he did. That's three tonight. Is that three? Yep. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Maybe they need to stop pitching to him. <laughs> anyway, uh, yep. So uh, check that out, and we also get into, as I said, the Bobby Bradley's hot-hitting, him winning International Player of the Month, Kaya Tom winning Eastern League Player of the Month, uh, the Lake County Captain's All-Star, All-Stars being announced, and uh, some other good stuff too, so check that out. Uh, 
Other than that, though, be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jake D Baseball. Justin's at JL underscore Baseball. You can tweet at us with any kind of uh, Indians questions, prospect questions. We'll be sure to answer them to the best of our knowledge. Um, follow the podcast account at SmokeSignalsIBI and follow the site account at Official underscore IBI. Get all the links, all the breaking news, everything you can find IBI-related in one place. Um... Uh, any final words before we go, Justin? Uh, actually, I do want to plug one more thing. I'm sitting here working on a, uh, a, a 2019 draft coverage page, so I'm currently putting all of Willie Hood's notebooks in there. That's another one to plug, plug too. If you guys didn't read anything Willie Hood wrote before us, before the draft and after the draft, um, he did a mock draft for us. He did a little bit of a pre-draft notebook. He recapped each day of the draft in a notebook as well. Um, so those are all going to be in one p- place. You can find all the links on one page. And I'm also putting Jeff's capsules there, too. So we're going to have one page where you can find links to every piece of draft coverage we had in 2019. Awesome. Sounds good. Uh, looking forward to giving that a perusal once it's done. Because I, I, because of my schedule, I haven't had a chance to follow the draft as in-depth as I did in years past. So I want to get to know some of these players for myself, my own benefit. Uh my final word for this is going to be stop pitching the Max Kepler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about all you can do right now. So, uh, hopefully, uh, let's hope for the Indians' sake that they can rally and get a sweep. But if not, they took two out of three from the Twins, so they did what they could, uh, given their circumstances. And wishing all the best for Carlos Carrasco, and hopefully this isn't anything serious and something he can uh, recover from and do course. Uh, Other than that, though, uh, thanks for listening tonight, and we'll be back again next week for Justin Lada and the Smoke Signals podcast. I'm Jake Dungan, and we say to you, have a good one. For questions and comments, you can email us at smokesignals at indiansbaseballinsider.com. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at SmokeSignalsIBI, where you can find links to all our shows, as well as poll questions and other cool podcast stuff. Thanks again for listening.